Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fantastic Mr. Podcast, where myself, Jerome Kramers, and my two incredible co-hosts, Justin Strange and Zach Briggs, sit around and have an incredible conversation about movies. Sweet. I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, today we're talking about cult classics and everything that entails on some of our favorite financial flops. So let's get into it. Cult classics. I'm going to ask you right off the bat, what is your favorite cult classic? Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> is that a cult classic, though? Did it make? I would say it is. The comedy musical film Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, according to the internet, which was adapted from Ronald Dahl's novel of the same name, only grossed $4 million against a budget of $3 million. And due to the poor performance, Paramount allowed the rights to the film to expire. Warner mm. Brothers brought the rights Burn! for $500,000 and re-released it as a TV movie. A TV movie? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's, I remember seeing it as a kid. Uh, my mother recalls as well, seeing it on TV mm. a lot growing up. And it's one of those movies, I think, a lot of people recognize the name that a lot of people grew up reading the book uh, about this eccentric Candyman inviting children to uh, come to his factory of chocolate Diggity. through uh, winning golden tickets and having these strange eccentric moments uh, during the uh, entire trip. And I think the movie uh, featuring Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, already kind of a interesting guy uh, from his other performances. Um, yeah. Yeah, he could. I think it was the perfect actor, but maybe the weirdness of the movie and some of the LSD trip type moments were kind of a turnoff for families. A lot of people. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, when I, I mean, was not a kid, for a, not really a kids' film um, when, as it was marketed, perhaps. When I was a kid, that movie terrified me, and no one would believe me when I told them that a chicken got its head cut off. <laughs> everyone thought I was. Everyone thought I was bugging out. And sure enough, I went back later, like, you know, now we have internet and everything. I went back. I was like, was I going crazy or did they actually cut off a freaking chicken? And this, and Jake, you're talking about the scene, the the tunnel. Yeah, there's no, there's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> which direction we are going. You know, the and, crazy eyes and, yeah. like back and forth. Ooh, 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 yeah. Ooh. And that, that whole little weird riddle song it just crescendos into this gene wilder moment and the strobing lights on his face yeah. that was just i love that moment actually uh and then you did see you, the, did you watch it as a child or did you watch it yes. with the maturity as an adult as a oh, child I, mean, oh, I, I, was, I thought it was crazy. weird and you disturbing cycle. Yeah, I thought it was disturbing. The the chicken, the the worm on the dude, whatever oh. that was. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, no. that, that was that was like a nightmare. A night, uh, yeah. that, was, that was the nightmare sequence of the movie. I don't get what the purpose was really. I'd have to go back and watch it again <laughs> to get little children nightmares. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh. like, how 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 many children can we give nightmares at one time? I what think that. Matter? 
that scene was probably one of the big turnoffs for families. Was, I think building up to the actual chocolate factory adventure when all the kids and the parents get to uh, finally getting to, to live this dream of sorts, this dream dream of chance, really. Uh, they It just becomes gradually odd as you get to get to know Willy Wonka. And even the audience, the, the people in the crowd behind the gate, I think this is like the first time or it's it's been a, a quite a while since anyone's seen what this guy looks like. And he, like Gene Wilder and his, I wonder if there's any improv in this, but I feel like he's been known to be this oh, sure. comedic dude and doing his own thing. But no. well, he just, he like, he's acting like he's a cripple with the cane and he does the somersault. Yeah, that, I mean, that was, that was wonderful. That's the only one that I know of. I know for a fact that was Gene Wilder and that was one of his stipulations to be Willy Wonka. You were probably going to share that and I stole it from you. I'm sorry. No, I didn't know that fact. Yeah. So, so his, the stipulations for him to play that character was that when he came out that he wanted to have a cane and then he was going to do the little the stop drop and roll thing and pop back up because he said from that point on you never have a reference of whether he's telling you the truth or not hmm. and he becomes this kind of like ambiguous character that you can't read anymore is he good is he bad is he evil is he you know is he just kind of off his rocker and that was his stipulation to be the character was to have yeah. that ambiguity which I think played into that, played into his character very well. And Justin, you said you had not recently, but like whether the past years saw the movie the for, for the first time or. So I didn't. The first time I ever. First of all, Zach, it's Roald Dahl, not Ronald Dahl. Ronald? It's Roald. I was thinking of McDonald. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, because they're totally the same people. Um, so I. The first time I ever saw anything. Willy Wonka was Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, Johnny Depp. I, I saw it in theaters. Um, and it was pretty cool, but seeing, I, I just recently watched Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory um, for the first time, probably a few months ago, because um, my friends and I would do a movie night every week and we have certain stipulations. And I forgot what this stipulation was, but we chose Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. And, and uh, I got to say, the movie was awesome. I freaking loved it. Every like every moment of it. Like I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know. I probably would have enjoyed it as a kid, but I didn't really watch like that movie. Believe it or not, we had satellite and satellite was a big deal back then. Um, believe it or not, I never came across that movie like just <laughs> flipping through channels ever. Was it disturbing to watch at points? Did you find moments yeah, that were like that, very weird or well that I think that's just like the that era of movies you know when when did that movie come out mm, 71 okay so i like you know you got the 60s 70s 80s like when they try to create these movies that are marketed for children or if they you know whatever if it seems like it might be had had been marketed for children it's always like some it's like just a weird movie that parents are like this probably isn't for children. And that's kind of where I think Willy Wonka falls under. Like if you tried to show this to your kid, I don't, I think you'd either have someone that really doesn't like it or a kid that really loves it. There's no like in between, you know what <laughs> I mean? Words, do you have a well-adjusted child or do you have a little yeah, psycho? Exactly. <laughs> so if they're <laughs> psycho, they probably enjoy it. If they're well-adjusted, they probably don't. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 I found some, I don't really, to be honest with you, there's, I can't think of anything that pops to my head right now, 
but um I'm sure there were some scenes where I was like, holy crap. You know? uh, I just love each character. Each child has their own personality and their own thing going for them. Like uh, Veruca Salt's like the entitled girl with the rich father and is a pushover. And then you have Mike TV. He's like, he's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Uh, he loves TV. <laughs> the cowboy he's- kid. <laughs> yeah, he's like being interviewed yeah. and like he's still like watching his TVs with his TV dinner. And then you have Augustus Gloop, who's also one of my favorites. Then you have good boy, good old Charlie Bucket. Augustus <laughs> Gloop is the glutton kid, right? <laughs> another he's, he's another the guy from fact. Germany, isn't he? I think. Yeah. Another fun fact um, uh, uh, regarding Grandpa Joe in that movie is if Joe. you actually like, if you actually stop and get a good shot of him, uh, take a close look at his pinky fingers. And he has got the um, the old cocaine pinky fingers going on. And all his nails are clipped except for both his pinkies that, that are long. <laughs> and uh, this is widely used to, you know, uh, ease transition from the table to the nose. So that's wow. another interesting. I don't know if that's a character. Des- <laughs> I don't know if that's a design choice or an actor choice. <laughs> oh my goodness! But that's pretty. Funny. How'd you okay. how'd you figure that out? My goodness. Um, I just, just why I just paused the movie. <laughs> you can see it. I don't know the connection to drugs though. Oh well, I guess we run in different circles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to touch on the the music of the movie. I mean, I, I, watching it for the first time, I wasn't expecting musical numbers to pop out, but I, I kind of like the tunes. I mean, there's certain ones that, like the theme, um, the one that Willy Wonka sings, it t- turns out to be a motif, something about wonderfulness. He sings it for the first time. Um, pure imagination. Yeah. And oh, that song has yeah, been yeah. done, has had covers and multiple forms and, he was on or just use uses lo-fi music like that's dramatized for modern commercials yeah it, i feel like it's been it's it's had an effect on society and in the commercial world especially i mean that a few of those notes the do 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 those notes are heard in the trailer for the new willy wonka movie where timothy chalamet is going to play a timothy young uh, willy so i i was i was kind of like throwing it back a bit when I heard those notes. I know it, it's probably just a little nod to the 70s movie without having a direct connection. I don't think he's going to play a young well, I think it's supposed Wilder to be, version. I think it's supposed just, to be like a prequel to mm-hmm. how he got the Chocolate Factory. So like, yeah. you know, the, the motif isn't complete yet because he hasn't you know, he hasn't tr- transcended. I want to know how he got weird and crazy. Yeah. What, what was Just one more question. What was the symbolization of the hat and the office and everything's half. Oh, beats me. Do you remember that though? Like yeah, everything, like the that, clock, no, the his notepad. I guess because he's I half feel... there. I don't know, man. Um, let's see. <laughs> I thought that scene with the argument with Grandpa Joe was like the best acting sequence in the movie. Yo, nothing. <laughs> Good day, sir. Good day, Charlie. But wait, psych, you win. <laughs> I feel like South Park. It must have done many skits on Family Guy. Did one. Thing. Um, sure. Family Guy had a whole episode where instead of uh, <laughs> Willy Wonka, it was Pawtucket Patriot, who um, he's a it's a beer factory. And actually, Futurama does does the same thing with Slurm. Um, 
with slurm is like it's kind of like um, a soda that is very like high in sugar high in energy and all this stuff and they go to the slurm factory and it's just like um you know the whole willy wonka thing and then basically wonka um Family Guy did one with Pawtucket Pat is what his name was for the Pawtucket Patriot, which was a beer that Peter liked. So essentially they put um, a five golden scrolls in one beer across the world. And so like first half of the episode is Brian and, and Peter trying to get one of those scrolls. So they just like drink and drink and drink and drinking until he finally wins one. And he goes in there and they get kicked out and all this stuff. It's pretty funny. Well, let's let's let's. Willie Wonka's. I want to keep this moving on. Wonka's had a, a dramatic impact on, and, and just to sum it up, it's had a dramatic impact, I think, on uh, future movies and TV. I mean, Drake and Josh has one episode where uh, Josh is wearing a big old brown top hat and has a cane. Wait. And in comes um, Drake, and he's like facet. He's like obsessed with candy. So, so that's my movie of the night. See you, Justin, folks. What is your cult classic? <laughs> Do you really want to know? Um, I'm questioning now. <laughs> the the cult classic, of course, that came to my head. There actually have have two. One that isn't as popular, probably one that you've never heard of that I just looked at. But there's one called I don't know, uh, the Human Centipede. Um, <laughs> Hey man, apparently it's it's gained a little bit of a cult following just because of how weird it is. I mean, I I've seen each movie once, and that's probably as many times as I'll see them. But dang it, if I didn't buy the Blu-ray uh, Blu-ray di- uh, disc set because it's just weird, um, and that's kind of the like I found a little article that was um, it says due to its disturbing and unique context, Human Centipede has gained a cult following. Uh, search queries for human centipede picked up around the time, the same time that movie clips were posted in September 2009. It peaked uh, in May 2010 when it received a wider release. Centipede merchandise was made around this time. So I'm sure the the following has died down a little bit. But of course, when it was first released, like people were like, what the F is a human centipede? And that's kind of what we did was, um, and I'm, I'm, re- I'm really just talking about the first movie. Um, when it the first time I saw it was on Netflix. It was around the time Netflix started streaming stuff. And uh, we were like, let's watch a bad movie. Let's just watch it like a movie that just looks bad. I mean, lo and behold, the human centipede was on Netflix. So we watched it and uh, it was bad. But what makes it so bad is the, the graphics, the, the story. It's, it's mainly what makes it a story. classic. I think it's just, I don't know about maybe not a cult classic, um, more like just a cult, a small cult following. Uh, I don't think it'll cult ever following. be a cult classic. There was uh, never an intention for it to wow audiences for the box office. I mean, I'm sure that's what... Or to make money, Tom's, like lots of Tom, money. I mean, there's like those movies that they just pump out crap movies because they know people will watch it, but the intention isn't really to make it a box office box office success. So, it's, so this fits the mold of that movie genre, I would guess. Yeah, I think it's just because it's super weird. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's just it. Huh. <laughs> you know, like it's a movie about a mad scientist who wants to create a human centipede by stitching naked people. Mouth, mouth the butts. Yeah. Is there and, is there feces shown in this? I don't think so. Um, mm. 
Right. So, so they, but, they clean them up before they stitch them. All right. I see what they do. So, yeah, I mean, the whole idea is that the front person eats real food and then the back people eat feces. And so it's very <laughs> disgusting. Um, and there's actually, it's actually South Park does a, a parody of it where the whole thing <laughs> is about Kyle and not not reading terms and conditions and Cartman wanting to get an iPad. And so um Cartman is trying to get this iPad, but his mom's like, no, they're too expensive. They're too expensive. But then they make an iPad in which it's called the human scent iPad. And so it's just a human centipede with an iPad on the front. But Kyle keeps accepting all these terms and conditions without reading them. And he accidentally gets himself put into the, the centipede. And so it's very, very stupid. But I mean, it's South Park. So um, the other movie I had, I, um, just saw because I was looking on the Criterion Collection website, and they have cult class like a little cult classics or cult movies uh, section. And there's one called Fantastic Planet, which is its animated movie from 1970. I think it's or 1972, 1971. Um, it's a French movie, and it's very very weird. Um, and I bought it. The, the Criterion version, and I watched it six months ago or so for the first so time. The, the weird seventies again. Yeah, that's why I was because I last night I watched The Hobbit, which mm-hmm. is a nineteen seventy seven animated movie, and I was like, man, I I really like seventies animation because it's just I don't know it has a certain charm to it where it's not like Disney animation and it's not like you know of course it's not like CGI now or it's not even like traditional animation from the 90s it's just i don't know it's a different it's almost like it's rotoscoped it well the lord of the rings movies yeah were rotoscoped but some of them weren't that that was uh, odd but some of them were a lot i think i think with the 70s a lot of animation depended on rotoscope because it was probably easier it's kind of like cgi almost um and so it's probably easier to to do so it just has that weird, mm-hmm. weird aesthetic to it. And so Fantastic Planet is the same. And it's just about this, these humans that land on this, this planet of these weird things and they can get eaten. And it's very, it's, a, but then one of them finds like one of the, the natives on the planet, I guess you would say, finds one of the humans and like keeps it as a pet and stuff. And so it's very, it's very weird. I need to see that movie. Yeah. And it's in French. And so it's, uh, did you look it up? No, I, I know it's, about it. I just haven't oh, okay. had a chance to see it. It's it's a very interesting movie. Um and I really I mean but I like weird stuff. So how was the music though? You know what? I don't remember there being too many too much music. Like really? an animation. That, seems like, that you know? seems like a movie that would lend itself to some incredible soundtrack. Yeah, I'd have to watch it again, I guess, because like I was watching the movie, so sometimes music can stand out, like with Oppenheimer the music stood out, but that's because like there was hardly ever a time where there wasn't music in Oppenheimer or studio Ghibli. If you want to stay in animation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, so with this movie, I don't remember too much of the soundtrack, but I guess I'll just, that just means I have to watch it again. Too bad. Probably. Yeah. I mean, a lot of soundtracks for movies, especially 60s, 70s, 80s, it has that own, has that distinctive sound from that era. Yeah, for sure. Like even the great Gatsby movie with Robert, or, uh, What's Leonardo Robert, Mr. Robert uh, Redford, the, oh. the the 70s version gotcha. had like 70s music and it. it was kind of off-putting. Well, for mine, 
What was I thought you had a third one, Justin, or is that you just? Uh, nope. You, I mean, oh. I, I could. There are a few more yeah. I could talk about, but we we can move on and we can talk Citizen about Kane. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> Citizen Cold Kane classic. is is not a is, Citizen Kane. I think is more regarded as a classic. Not yeah, it's classic. definitely considered a classic. Yeah. So, and this might be a good uh, opportunity since we didn't do it at the very beginning. Defining a cult uh, classic? It's defining a cult classic. <laughs> that could be up for debate, too. I mean, there's so many people could argue, this movie is not a cult classic, but if you go by the facts and the box office numbers, you could argue otherwise. Yeah, and so it is. there is definitely some room to debate what what someone defines a cult classic as. But for our purposes, we are defining a cult classic as a movie that when it came out was not received generally well. So either it did not receive critical acclaim or it did not receive, you know, it didn't make its money back a box office or made very little. It, it basically came out and was kind of ignored and considered a bad movie at the time. But over the years, it's received kind of a word of mouth following of people groove or maybe something happened to it that suddenly shot it into the limelight. And now it is considered a, a well-beloved film, even though when it came out, it was considered you know yeah. uh, either bad or indifferent at the time so we're not talking about movies that are classics like we're not talking about star wars we're not talking about citizen kane we're not talking about chinatown or so, North by northwest those are sort of viable classics they they were popular they, they, out. They, they did well people, well the theater. people appreciated them and they've been classics the entire time. yeah except we're the prequels. About movies that have kind of grown <laughs> into their state as a classic okay real quick I just want to talk about that because I think with Citizen Kane, nobody paid attention to it when it first came out in 1941. It wasn't until like the 60s when people started paying attention to it. So could it be argued that around that time, 60s, maybe 70s, whatever, it was a cult classic that kind of drifted then into the eventually evolved yeah, into, into a, a classic. classic? Yeah, I would agree with that. Because I think that with, with Citizen Kane – the thing that makes it a classic, it's I don't think it's the story. I mean, the story's okay. I it's think the it's techniques. It's the, everything he did to make the movie is yeah, what made it a classic. It's the technical proficiency that has made the story endure. Yeah. So I. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Go ahead. So anyway, uh, so I'd agree with that. You know, I think I think in the '60s it would be considered a cult classic, and now I think it's just considered a classic because it has it's become well, it's wildly. Just, accepted we, that it yeah. should have been the whole time my cult classic is clue 1985 american black comedy by jonathan lynn who directed it um co-written by john lendis and deborah hill it's got a great cast lineup of which um includes you know michael mckean christopher lloyd uh tim curry and it's literally a it's a movie of the board game you know so this would also fall under another category if we have like a a uh, games to movies category this would fall under that because it was based off the board game clue and when it came out it uh it lost money it's it lost four hundred thousand dollars so it it almost broke even but it didn't quite make it but it was real neat because like we're talking about spider-man um like across the Spider-Verse, how they have like different little versions in the theaters. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. It's multiversal. Like, who did that? Who did this? Way back in 1985, they uh, made the movie with three separate endings and sent out the different endings to different theaters and didn't tell anybody. So there's actually three different versions of the ending uh, that you can 
watch and they released all three of them um in the in the home release so you could watch it and then you can actually like on the dvd you can actually pick which ending you want to watch um but it's a great little film um starring like tim tim curry christopher lloyd uh yeah. and some others and it's it's a great film at the time it was i think honestly i don't want to say highbrow because it's not a highbrow movie at all but some of the some of the creativity that they put into it uh i think might have been a little much at the time and now it's and now it's a great film now it's a love film and it has this great cult following where people get to like enjoy tim curry at I, I personally think his finest and term Curry's come out and said that it's probably one of the favorite movies that he played a part in that he was involved in. Kind of like a um, Rocky horror picture show, which he was also in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very much, uh, it's not nearly as sexually. <laughs> and, and they don't do it every year for it's, Halloween. You know, they don't reach. Yeah. Cause a lot of, uh, a lot of theaters will re- you know, re-release that movie, a uh, Rocky horror picture show. Yeah, um, and so I think in a lot of cases, Clue might even still be a little a little slept on. Mm-hmm. I've I never said that's that's my cult classic, and if you haven't had a chance to see it, I highly yeah, recommend I'll it. Check it out. I, I've never it's really great. I've I've heard of it, of course. It's based off a board game. I don't really care for the board game. Like I played it several times, and I just don't care for it. I don't care for board games in general, except well, uh, Trouble. That's an I easy like one. <laughs> trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, that um. Yeah, I just don't. I don't care for it. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested. I, I, I've seen Battlefield. I mean, that was another I mean, board game. Battleship. Battleship, yeah. Battlefield's <laughs> a video game. I mean, there's probably a. There, I'm I'm surprised there's probably not a Battlefield movie already, but uh, well, Battleship a, was just Battle, that's just every single World War II movie. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah any, I, any, I beg to differ. You could take a World War II movie and stick Battlefield on it, and build. nobody and would know it the would difference. Be a Battlefield, yeah. Except for except um, for All Quiet on the Western Front, you can't do it. To yeah. Them. Um, but so I'm going to have a rundown of, of uh, 20 films that are cons- largely considered to be cult classics today. Okay. Um, in no particular order. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. We talked about that already. The Big Lebowski. The Clockwork Orange. Darnie Darko. Yeah. Blade Runner. The Princess Bride. Fight Club. The Room. That's a big yeah. one. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. The Breakfast Club. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Pink Flamingos. Yeah. Repo Man. Harold and Maude, This is Spinal Tap, The Goonies, Labyrinth, Eraserhead, Office Space. Yeah, yeah. Heathers. Man, Eraserhead. God, yeah. Jesus, that movie is so good. I freaking love that movie. <laughs> like, I watched it randomly because I wanted to watch a movie, and that movie is awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to hype it up, but I just I like weird movies. I- and there's even some movies that came out recently, which I would consider quickly becoming cult classics, such as The Cabin in the Woods or um, The Lobster. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't seen it, but I do know what it's about. Um, and yeah, I would consider that. But like yeah, that like when they originally came out, no one really paid attention to them. They have moderate box office performance. and right. And now... They're quickly growing this like niche audience, people who are obsessed with the cabin in the woods, where they are like obsessed with the lobster because of how niche and interesting it is. Did you say Dates and Confused in that list? Um I didn't, but I would consider that it's I'm looking at a different list and it's fifty. I'm not gonna go through them all, but 
um, some of the notable ones, of course, the number one on this one is The Big Lebowski, which I guess would make sense. Um, have y'all seen The Big Lebowski? No, not for sure. Oh, geez. That's a good movie, too. It's funny. I don't really I care seen for Fargo, which that's another I would consider that another cult classic. Well, they made a TV show out of it, too. Um, yeah, but it but they made the TV show out of it because it was a cult classic. Yeah. It didn't become a cult classic because of the TV show. I still, that's a Coen Brothers movie. These are both Coen oh, yeah. Brothers movies, I think. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Jeff Bridges and comedic roles, though. Um, I like him as well, a dramatic just like actor. Your opinion, man. I know. So <laughs> uh, I said I'm not a big fan. <laughs> um, let's see. Days and Confused was on here at number three. I thought that was great because we had we had that conversation about Days and Confused. Remember we watched it. Uh, we did an episode yep. about it. I think right. Yeah, we had that conversation about Days and Confused. That's what I meant by that. We had an episode about it. Um, Donnie Darko, which I've had to watch a few times to understand what's going on. That's Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Yeah, that's a movie yeah. you gotta you gotta watch several times. I'm not a big fan of around. Jake Gyllenhaal, but that's one of his. That is probably his best movie. Well, there goes our there goes our future partnership with Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> uh, Monty Python's on here. Office Space is on here, which I thought was interesting, and I think that makes sense. Mike Judge is like, um, if you know who Mike Judge is, he a King of the Hill and Beavis and Butthead, but he also did Office Space. And like his stuff is very um, like for for Die. it's yeah, like King of the Hill is hilarious, but it's very subtle hilarity. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. doesn't just hit you in the face. Beavis and Butthead, of course, is very stupid, hilarious, like um, comedy. So you you have to appreciate that kind of comedy. Um, then you have Office Space. Have you all seen Office Space? I have not. OK, it's about this guy who works at an in an office and he's very bored with his life um, until he tries to his, get fired. Right. Yeah. His, well, what happens is him, him and his girlfriend um, go to like a hypnotist and he he's hypnotized into not caring about anything ever in the world. Pre- pretty much. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but he's just hypnotized and not caring. And then the guy who's hypnotizing him has a heart attack and dies. So he never takes him out of the hypnosis. So the <laughs> whole time, that's why he's like. You know, I'm just gonna I'm trying to try to get fired, and he never gets fired. He gets promoted and all this stuff. <laughs> so it's a very funny movie. Um, oh yeah, the room I think is a big one, and we probably should talk about that. One. We we ha- we're gonna have I an want episode. episode. We, I want an episode get, solely on the room. Yeah, we we have an episode coming up on the room. Um, and it is, I think it's. Oh hi, Mark. I gotta watch that movie then. Yeah, we we're gonna have to watch it, but um, it's. It's coming up. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. We are, we have an episode that's going to be dedicated. Which to movie? It. Which which year? The Room, two thousand and three. All right. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Um. Okay. Nice doggy. But yeah, this is like. <laughs> You're my favorite darkness. customer. Sorry, I'm going to stop now. Um. Oh, the things on here, Jake. You like that movie? Yes. Ooh, talk about a cool classic. That one's incredible. That uh, was, I'd say, between uh, between um. The Conjuring and The Thing, those those are my two biggest forays into horror because as I've mentioned before, I'm a wuss. But I love The Thing. And The Thing is not like... I mean, I guess my definition would is change because I would not consider it like a scary horror film. I consider it like a psychological horror film, uh, which I love. But I, yeah. I've shown it to friends and they're like, this is awful, this is horrible, oh my God. I'm like... Screw you. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean it's not it's not really scary. It's like a not like a jump scary. It's just right. Like I can I can tell dark just, rooting. 
just from the description on IMDb, it says a research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victim. So, I mean, have you seen it? Just that. No, I haven't seen it. You, oh, we me. have to have a... I want to have a movie night and have you guys watch it. Okay. Showgirls is on here, which I thought was kind of weird. I don't know if y'all have seen Showgirls, but it's not a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's got... That's uh, the one... I haven't seen it. That's the Is that the one with just the woman with the long leg on the cover? Yeah. Yeah, it's got Jesse like from Saved like, by the Bell, uh, Elizabeth Berkeley, and she's basically trying to become a showgirl for Las Vegas, and she has to like do stuff and blah blah. I don't know. It it came out, and I've I've seen it on TV, which is hilarious because a lot of a lot of it's got a lot of nudity in it, but on TV it it kind of does like what you said India did for Oppenheimer, Zach, where she covers up covers her up with like a CGI bikini. It's really funny. <laughs> it's noticeable, I'm guessing. That's oh, another yeah. episode we should talk about is is the CGI sanitization for TV. Oh. Cuz I remember I watched uh I watched like Step Brothers yeah. and um and this is before AI, so I assume they brought in Will Ferrell and and then back because they overdubbed like all the swear words and like these really stupid like oh. PG thirteen yeah, rated yeah. swear words, like, swear words. Yeah, it was really funny. I actually thought it was almost funnier than than the rated R version because of just how stupid that was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when they do that. When they instead of just bleep, I would rather them just bleep it out or or just cut out the sound. But they try to replace it with like, um, like family friendly. Yeah, Home Alone um, gibberish. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Let me see the beat. Big Lebowski has a funny one. While you're researching that, in the 1989 Batman movie for TV, when Batman's flying in his bat wing about to try to annihilate Joker and kill him, uh, and then Joker says in the real version, uh, come on, you son of a bitch. In, in the TV version, he says, son of a bat. It's it's uh, it's horribly yeah, dumb to say that. Stupid bat. stuff like that. And it's um, so stupid the way it sounds. There's a quote in... Um, in the big Lebowski where John, John Goodman's like destroying this car. And he says, you see what happens when you F a stranger in the ass. But in, in the censored version, it's, you see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> like, Makes zero just sense. like, it's like, well, they're just like, we got to cover it up. So it doesn't matter what you put. Just it's like just do bad something. lip readings like that channel. Yeah, exactly. Like it's reading, exactly what it is. Off it's, the TV, so they got to try yeah. to fit the lips. Yeah. So yeah. they could have think it's something better. Interesting. Yeah. No, apparently not. Um. Okay. One movie that is on here that I really want to talk about that we're gonna do um a full length episode on. We'd already talked about it. Is Clerks. Um. I don't know if you guys have seen Clerks before. Actually, I know you haven't because you told me. So Clerks <laughs> is a cool story. It's one of those stories where like a guy makes a movie with all his money and then submits it to the Sundance Film Festival and gets distribution. With it, it, I don't think it did very well, but then people, of course, you know, started liking it and liking it more, and now it's kind of like a cult classic. So, um, And he's he's made three of them. Um, but the first one's in black and white, and it's so freaking good. And it's like, it's great because it's it's not, there's no real action in it. It's, it's mainly through the dialogue, because Kevin Smith is a freaking good writer, I think. Um, and so, yeah, we'll have a whole episode on that, so... Well, that that leads me to a question, um, and you might this might lead into something else you want to talk about, Justin or, mm-hmm. or Zach. This one might, might be for you. You know, why do you think that some cult classics were initially failures or unappreciated, 
Um, and why do you think they found your audience? Like what, what makes a cult classic find its. Well, let's talk about the ultimate cult classic, which we just talked about. Well, there's two, I think, which citizen Kane, right. You know, he, he releases this movie. It's in black and white. It's about a journalist, his, his rise and fall. Right. At the time, that's what it was about. But then it started gaining some traction in like, I, I think it, and I, I hope I'm not mistaken around the sixties started gaining some traction and, and probably that's when it probably became a cult movie cult classic. And then it moved transcended into, into a classic. So I think just having been the way um, the way that everything was done as far as that, like people started noticing and, and started enjoying it because of that. And then you have movies like the room, right? Which um, the only way I've seen that full movie is on a cinema I don't know if you have seen cinema <laughs> but it's a, it's a YouTube channel in which this guy points out everything that's wrong with the movie. Yeah. So I like, like that channel. Yeah. And so like with the room, it's just one of those, and it's kind of like Sharknado too right where it's just so bad it's good type situations mm-hmm. um i forgot what your question was i hope i'm answering it but uh it was like how do how do you think that why do you think some of these movies were considered failures at the time and oh and well why do you think they've gained their yeah. status so i think with citizen kane it was just nobody was paying attention or cared about how he made the movie they just saw this movie about a, a journalist and and it was also based on a real journalist and i bet you there was some tension there uh, well Orson Welles says it's not, but people argue that it's based on, uh, I forget his name now, but he was a very like large newspaper. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so like, I'm sure there was some tension there that made it to where, because I know that um, he had put like in a paper or something like, don't go see citizen Kane. Right. And so, um, and then you have the room, which was just an awful movie. Now, if you've ever seen disaster artist, which is based off the room, uh, that's a good movie, but like the room is just, it just wasn't good. Oh, the Hearst Corporation. Hearst. Yeah. Yes. I was thinking, I was thinking of Hearst. They also own TV stations. Yeah. So William Hearst. Yeah. William Randolph yeah. Hearst, right? <clears throat> yes. Now that it's all coming back to me. Um, so yeah, like he, he, he Orson Welles says he did, didn't base it off of him, but um, people argue that he did. And so I think that probably had something to do with, him not doing very well when it first released. And then people are like, all right, let's forget about that. What about this movie is, you know, let's, let's take another look at it and realize that there was a lot of cool things that he did to, to be able to make that movie. Um, and it just kind of shot to, you know, this is what we're going to show. This is going to be like this, almost the standard movie you got to show in film school. You know what I mean? Almost always. I did. I, I watched Citizen Kane the first time. Uh, probably in 20, 2014 or something like that. And I was like, that movie was stupid. Like, why is this a classic? And I've told, I've talked about this before. And then I taught it, learned more about it, taught it, learned more about it more and realized as a filmmaker, I got to appreciate this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's a, you have to like, if you care about movies at all, care about making movies, Citizen Kane is just one of those movies where it's like, this is something that you might not care for the story, but everything else about it is great. So it seems like the academic part of it, introducing the movie to students was a big part of it as well. Well, as you said, I, the thing about introducing it to students is 
yeah, some students might enjoy it the first time, but I bet you a lot of them won't, especially when you show it in like intro to film or film appreciation, especially because a lot of those students in film appreciation aren't there for filmmaking. You know, they're not trying, mm-hmm. they're trying to get a credit. Now, intro to film might be a little bit of a different story where it's like, okay, they might be interested enough to go and say, well, what is the reason? Because whenever they showed us the movie the first time, we we went into it without any context. Like we were talking about things and an intro to film, and it was just kind of like normal definitions and stuff. And then boom, Citizen Kane. So when I taught Citizen Kane, I was like, you know, this is Citizen Kane. This is everything that he did for the movie, and this is everything. And then we watched the movie. Of course, there were high schoolers, so they mm-hmm. immediately thought the movie was boring. And I get it, a freaking high schoolers. Um, but you know, you you gotta with that movie. There's some work involved, yeah. As far as like, you got to explain why it's important and like what it. I mean, it, yeah, that part about it sucks, but once you learn about it and once you understand, you know the the everything that goes into this movie. Yeah, it's black and, and white, but 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 it's like boom, and and that's kind of how I feel with it. Like, okay. Yeah. So that's that's like Citizen Kane. So we've got the one that that you know society caught up, yeah. and they were able to see the technological significance of it sure. and then there's movies that are bad and kind of people it's so bad it's good and the but what about movies like you know what about movies like uh you know the cabin in the woods or fight club or the goonies like yeah fight club i saw that on this list too and i thought i thought that movie was popular but i guess it wasn't when it first came out well so like here's uh, an interesting one uh another one that i keep for for modern like modern movies so these are ones that came out in the past 10 years that are considered called classics so like scott pilgrim versus the world god i love that movie the grand budapest hotel john wick the original john wick originally Mm. so john wick uh its budget was 20 million and its opening weekend it got 14 Mm. once it went into once it went worldwide it went better and it had an ultimate payout gross of 86 million but when you think about you know the blockbusters and especially how you know especially you know the significance of like john wick 4 how popular that was it it didn't have the uh it didn't have like the attention that i'm sure you know i think it was lionsgate produced it they didn't they didn't you know didn't get the result that they wanted it was enough for them to make a sequel you know, well, you know, but um, that was largely spread by by word almost mouth word of so, mouth as yeah. well. Yeah, it seems like movies like that that don't do good in the states, they bring them out world, you know, worldwide, and that's where they make their money. Or they do weird stuff like, um, what am I, um, oh, so you have like Family Guy, right? I don't know this is a this is a TV show, but Family Guy is going to cancel twice, right, and then brought back, mm-hmm. and so they do things like, um, like the DVD release a family guy is what brought him back. So like things like that. And they almost, almost made a sequel to 2017 power Rangers movie because of the toy sales. <laughs> so it seems it's just like things like that. will like, you know, bring, bring it up overseas and see what, it, how it does there. If it does good, we can make a sequel. Now we're like, like, I don't think uh, Fox was thinking family guy was going to do good when they canceled the first time. With the DVD sales, I'm sure it was unexpected. And so they were like, well, let's bring it back. And then it happened again. Let's bring it back again. And now look at them. They're at like 20, almost 20 seasons, I think. Jeez. Um, and then, yeah, with Power Rangers, it didn't happen, of course. But I was hoping you know, for a sequel. I like that movie. I, I did too. And um, I think 
you could even almost consider that a cult classic, but mainly with people who who like Power Rangers. Like you, you can't just be a normal everyday Joe and be like, oh, I love that movie. <laughs> I think it, it really hits with and like with me, I, I loved that movie because I love the Power Rangers and we've had a we've talked about the Power Rangers before. Um, yeah, so I would have loved a sequel, but, you know, what are you going to yeah. do? They didn't make enough money, I guess. No, they didn't. They didn't make as much money as they thought they were. So let me ask you this question. Do you think a cult classic could be intentionally made? And if so, would that be a cult classic or would that just be considered a blockbuster? You know, so you're you're saying like, OK, could, I'm going to make a movie you... that's horrible. Let's hope for the best. I think it would still be a cult classic um, because you like you said, a cult classic has to not make money initially. And then as per our definition, and then, yeah. But a blockbuster, you have to have a great budget mm-hmm. and you have to, I mean, it's going to make money. So I think even if you set out to be like, I want to make this movie, I want it to be a cult classic eventually. And then it's going to be, if it, if people like it, eventually it's going to be a cult classic. I, I think cult so maybe, is the answer do you think, to that. Do you think the flash could be an example? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe one day it'll be 2023's flash. I think anything. Yeah. I think anything Zack Snyder has done as far as DC can can be that because like. Oh yeah, you have the Snyder cult. Yeah, I mean seriously, but, like. But but that go that make that begs the question though. That wasn't yeah. intentional though, is it? But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that. Yeah, it wasn't intentional. For it to well, be. that and if, hey, so like let's say Tarantino or Zack Snyder, like anything these guys make are going to immediately have some sort of following because of the creator, mm-hmm. not because of the content of the film itself. Well, so if, should we then define that a cult classic has to be based off the merits of the film instead of the production surrounding it? If if it's done by a specific person, I guess, like, like even when I saw some of these movies I saw, uh, or not movies, these lists, I saw Wes Anderson movies on there. And for me, a Wes Anderson movie comes out. I'm going to see it. Now, Wes Anderson mm-hmm. has picked up some traction over the last couple of movies he's made. That's very true. Yeah, because like with um, Asteroid City, that theater was almost full. And I was like, what the hell? You know, like like to me. <laughs> Look at these plebs and Wes Anderson. Anderson. Like, are, I, can't believe, yeah. I can't believe these guys are here. Posers, you know what I mean? That In retrospect, I need to be, you know, I need to be happy about it and be like, you know, Wes Anderson's getting more traction here in Arkansas as opposed to, you know, being in California where it's probably, you know, crazy popular there. And to me, I thought, why is Wes Anderson, why are Wes Anderson movies on here? But then I thought, well, first of all, uh, Rushmore was on there, which is kind of his first big movie past um, Bottle Rocket. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and then also you said Grand Budapest Hotel. So like Wes Anderson, to me, if I see Wes Anderson, um, Jake, if you see Wes Anderson, you're automatically going to want to see it. That's just mm-hmm. us. You know what I mean? That's our. That's group. not the general audience. Exactly. That's not the general, public. the general public. Exactly. And that's kind of like, I don't remember. I keep forgetting what your questions are. Um, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but at least I'm, I'm staying on track. Like, I know I'm staying on track. I just can't remember what the question is. But for me, yeah, like if I see Wes Anderson, I'm going to go see it. But if Joe Schmo next door, and I say, hey, man, I'm going to see the new Wes Anderson movie. Who the heck is that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then when they see it, they're going to be like, well, that was weird because he's got a, he's very stylistic. He's very interesting. Yeah. Zach, what do you think? Can you intentionally make a cult classic? I think so. Sharknado is an example, I think. Well, 
I think Sharknado. I think Sharknado was intentionally the Meg, made the Meg to, movies as well or? to be good. Um, I think they wanted the best out of that. Now I really? will. I, yes. Yeah. I don't think they were thinking. Oh, looks like a joke uh, to me. We want to. Well, I think it might have been sort of like a parody on disaster movies, but I don't think they yeah. wanted it to to be like horrible to where people are like, "Oh, this is so bad, it's good." But I mean, or could it came, be? Or could it be one of those scenarios of you go out to set set out to make a movie that's so bad it's good? But intentionally incorporate those elements. Yeah, I was going to say I don't know the filmmakers, and it's very possible that that was what they wanted to do. Now I will say I read I've read something on the room with um what's his face Wazoo. I forget his first name. Um Tommy? Is it Tommy Wazoo? Tom Tommy Wazoo. I promise you I, I've looked up this stuff and I've researched it, but I'm getting old and so Tommy Wazoo, the room. Okay. So he, he he's gone on record to say that he did it on purpose. Like he made the movie bad on purpose. But I don't think that, that is that. what it, yeah, like, I don't, I don't think I agree that. with him. Like it, it, it's very, very possible. He, that's what he did, but I don't think that's true. Like I'm just watching bought- the general, watching the general, like interviews and, and how like his, his vibe is in real life. I don't think that was intentional. Yeah, I think but, that's a way of saving face. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he's like, Oh, well now this has got traction because it's, it's so bad. It's good. So I'm going to act like that's what I set out to do. But like, dude, you, you hired actors, you wrote a script that you believed in and you didn't rent the equipment. You bought all the equipment. Like mm-hmm. he bought all his equipment. And so like, I don't know, just, that doesn't seem to me like a person who goes out to try to make a bad movie in hopes that people like it because it's about, so bad. about Batman and Robin 97. Joel Schumacher. Do you think he intended to make it? Yes. Like that mm-hmm. with the comedy. Yeah. With the nipples. It was a response to the vitriol of what Batman Returns. Yeah. Um. Because I I know that Michael Keaton was set to play Batman again, but then for Batman Forever, not necessarily Batman and Robin, but uh, yeah. You know, and then he found out the because Schumacher did Batman Forever too, didn't he? Yeah. Okay, so I think with Batman Forever, with Schumacher, it was like he was trying to do something serious, and then he just went to Batman and Robin, which is like a, a clown show. You know what I mean? Like it has a certain charm to it with with the aesthetics and stuff, and even some of the acting, like is horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> even Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's like, and George Clooney, like I don't know, but there there is a certain charm to it. Um, that makes it like watchable for me. Like I could probably sit down and watch it again and, and be okay. But I don't know if I will anytime soon. I mean, I have them. I have all the Batman movies. Um, I bought this cool set, a uh, Blu-ray set. It has all the Superman movies up to Superman returns. And actually I think man of steel might be on there too. And then all the Batman movies up through Schumacher's Batman. Mm-hmm. And so um, I have them. Of course, they're on um, HBO Max as well. Oh, yeah. About the Schumacher film. Yeah, they, I, I think they have a certain charm to them besides the the nipples. And, I, you know, <laughs> one thing I've thought about. They have a that, certain charm for them besides the nipples. I want the nipples. They quote, can, I want that taken out of context. He's <laughs> like put on Twitter. Besides the nipples, they have a certain charm to them. <laughs> it, it made um, money, though. I don't, I don't, well, yeah, because it's Batman, you know. And the, the merchandise. Yeah, merchandise really helped. And I think that's, that's why they they got away from Tim Burton's Batman because they were like, we want, cause I think, and I, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you sent this Zach or if I saw it on that, um, 
that DC, by the way, there's a really good documentary on Max called DC. Uh, it's, it's called Superpower, the DC story. If you have, it's, it just, I think it just got on there. So it's, it's really good. Um, but they, they moved away from Tim Burton's Batman because they were losing partnerships, merchandising partnerships like McDonald's and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, they, yeah, so they're like, that's why they kind of went with the more cartoony vibe. Um, as what, opposed to thanks, Warner Brothers. Thinking about the money. I mean, that's what they do, man. They're executives. Well, that's that's like uh, with Barbie. What was really got? I saw a post on Twitter somewhere, and I don't remember who it is. I'm about Barbie the movie or Barbie the Barbie the, the movie. Doll. Okay, yeah, Barbie the movie. And it was uh, it was like a tweet. So like, Barbie and Oppenheimer come out and they make billions of dollars, and the general audience is like, oh yeah, this makes sense. We want interesting original films. And then the execs are just like, oh, people must really love movies about toys because they've already uh, like, yeah. like the exec from Hasbro has already uh, come out. And so they have plans for like a Hasbro verse yeah. with 14 mm-hmm. movies based off of like different toys. Like that's what the audience wants for some reason. Well, that's what they got from one movie. Interesting. Well, that's what they got from one movie. Cause Barbie did so well. There's like, obviously the general public just love. Okay. <laughs> Let me throw something out there. I know we're not talking about this, but, and can I spoil something for you guys? Sure. Okay. So spoiler alert. I went and saw rise of the beast, transformers, rise of the beast. And it centers around this kid and, you know, humans and the it's always humans and the robots working together. And um, it's actually a pretty good movie. But at the end, of course, this kid saves the world. The kid's like a nobody. And then he saves the world. That's just that's the hero's journey right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end that he meet, he's he thinks he's going in for a job interview for like security. But really what it is, is is a specialized. I don't want to say they're part of the military because they're not, but they seem like it. Um, well, I guess they, yeah, I guess they would be a part of the military. And so they want to recruit him. And whenever they open this big door and it's got all these, um, these like ships and stuff you've never seen before. And the whole time I'm thinking, the whole time I was thinking it was something else. <laughs> That's what it's uh, leading up to GI Joe. But he, he flips over the business card that the guy gives him and he's like, GI Joe. And like, to me, I, I kind of, my head kind of like, blown off. yeah, uh-huh. I was like, holy crap. But I don't. Does Hasbro own Barbie now? I hate that so much. Yes, they do. Okay, so I don't care to see Barbie in a GI Joe movie, right? But I, I'm okay with GI Joe and Transformers crossing over just to see what that would be like. I think I don't that think we need every universe. I don't think I'm we need. Not, con- no, I we don't need it. We don't need it. The issue is, and this might We're be another episode, and I apologize. Things have to connect to everything, right? And I think that's what is kind of messing with with like original concepts and stuff. Yeah, which is why everyone was so excited to see Barbie and Oppenheimer because it wasn't some freaking multiversal connective sinew tissue of 20 other movies you have to see. It was like really great, sweetly written, self-contained movies. And that's what people want. But Marvel did so well that everyone's got to have a verse now. Well, even James Gunn, and we talked about this in, in the DC episode, was like... Like he he's coming to take over, and for some reason he feels he needs to do this interconnected universe. And I'm like, why do you feel like you need to do that? Like, why can't you just make DC movies, pump them out there, and we can watch them? Why does everybody yeah. have to meet each other now? You know, of course, back then when Marvel started, it was all I was all about it because that was all we had. 
It's because yeah. DC failed the first time. Yeah, now they're trying I rushed to it. recoup. And it's like, dude, just just give us movies. That's all we just want. Just take the L. Like, yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> just take the loss, man. Give us w, movies. W, WB doesn't want that. They want to. No, but it's all about. win. Yeah. Yeah, but anyhow. Okay, sorry. We, one last we, question for yeah, you guys. We, 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 uh, we, went off, we went off on a rant of yeah. our own particular interests. One Oops. last <laughs> question for you guys. Do you think there are any movies today, let's say in the past, I'm going to say the past 10 years to open it up a little bit. Past 10 years, have there been any movies that you've seen or know of today that you think have strong potential to be a cult classic in the next 20, 30 years? Yes. Cats. Uh, I would, I would agree with that. My man. I'm so proud of both of you. Uh, Yeah. I would agree with that only because yeah, the movie wasn't great, but that's probably why, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I think it falls directly in the so bad it's good category. And it's not even so bad that it's good. It's just so bad that you can't look away. Yeah, it's yes. like a train wreck, you know? It's like you're driving past and you're rubbernecking. I don't think it was like a train wreck. It was more of an, a, a, a drug-infused experience. Yeah. Yeah, um, I would say Cats is kind of the big one um, just because – I don't know, man. That movie sucked. Um, I don't do drugs, by the way. I just that's how I would equate it. <laughs> no, that definitely. I don't do drugs either, but I definitely like. Man, if someone took LSD and watched this, holy cow! Time of their life. So I'm looking at a um, I'm looking at a list called possible cult films of this decade, and it says 2010 to nothing, right? So 2010 to the future. The only movie on here that I could think that might fit that category that's on this list. Is a movie called It Follows. Have y'all seen it? Oh yeah. Um, I think that would that might be. I think it might be a cult classic now because I really enjoyed it and I thought it was weird. It's about. It's basically about this like thing that follows you, and the only way you can get rid of it is to have sex with somebody. Dude, yeah, it, it's a, It's almost like an STD. It's a sexually oh. transmitted poltergeist. Yeah. Yeah, it's wow. very it's very STP. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's a oil. <laughs> that's like some kind of car oil. But anyway, um, yeah, I watched that for that's the first time concept. probably like uh, eight or ten years ago, and yeah, and um, it came out in 2014. So about uh, what is that? Nine years? Eight? Nine years ago? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it is an odd concept, and I think that's why it would be maybe a cult classic. Um, I think uh, cats, man. I, I hate to agree with you on that, but I think <laughs> you love that movie. Don't deny no, it, dude. I mean, um, I think I think if I, I could probably watch it again and be like, and maybe find something to appreciate about it. But I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I don't really want to. Ooh, this movie's called Deathgasm. What are some of the other movies that are on the list that we might know? Of? There's not that many movies, so I'll just go through them. Drive, which has got Ryan Gosling. It's based off the video game, I think. Um, is that really? That's on the list of possible cult films. Of that's day. not a cult. That's that's a very popular film. I, no, I don't think it made very From much 2011? money. From 2011? Yeah, I don't think it made much money. Really? I don't know. I don't that's know, man. That's such Look a good up. movie. <laughs> it grossed $35 million, so I don't know what the budget was. Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. That was a pretty good mm, movie. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I guess. Um, Spring Breakers with James Franco. That was an A24 movie, I think, wasn't it? It had a budget of $15 million. Uh, so it made... And it grows 81 So I don't know. That sounds like a pretty... Well, then pretty this... this, uh, this um, Anyhow. 
this list not might not be ac- very accurate. Um, Spring Breakers, um, Cop Car. I've never heard of this, but it's got Kevin Bacon in it. Small town sheriff sets out to find the two kids who have taken his car on a joyride. Yeah. But pig, pig. Is it Jake? Oh, you know what? Yeah, pig might be a, a good, very one. good potential. That was a good movie. I enjoyed that yeah. one. Um, another movie called Victoria. Never heard of it either. Annihilation, maybe. Mm. I I would love for Annihilation to be a cult classic, but I don't think it will. I don't think it will be. It doesn't have bad I don't interest. think it. I don't think it will. It doesn't have enough general attraction. It's a very heady film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very it's very slow, and it's a slow burn, and it's a very cerebral, intentional. It's a beautiful film, pretty yeah. film. The I ending was, was like a trip, an LSD trip. With the, yeah, it's, it's mimicking it's of alien. Incredible film. It's just not. I don't know. It just it doesn't have enough. Um, there are two movies on yeah. here that I would like. To Lighthouse. Mention. That oh, Lighthouse. That movie's crazy. Um, Ex Machina is on here, which is a good movie. Uh, I could see that mm-hmm. being a cult classic. But again, again, it's all you could argue. It's a slow, very even slower than Annihilation. Um, in terms of pacing and lots of moments of no dialogue. Zach, you'll like this one. Her. Her is on. Oh, that was an Oscar-nominated movie, a, though. We should have an episode about her. About who? <laughs> Just kidding. Joaquin. <laughs> I, love, I love the style in that movie. His big old pants up to his chest. I, mean, I love the that I tell you, Joaquin whole visual Phoenix. aesthetic. And Scarlett Johansson, the voice of the AI. I, By the way... I, uh, I wanted to cry during that movie at times when he got betrayed. You should see um, Bo is Afraid. It's got Joaquin Phoenix in it as well. Bo is afraid. It was it was a weird movie. It was the same guy who did Hereditary and all them. Uh, Mid is that the one with the big old dick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh, I think we talked about it. Yeah, with the dick monster. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> God, that was so crazy. Anyway, I don't know Suspiria? if these. I don't know if this list. Suspiria. Exactly, you think Suspiria? I don't know. I've never seen it. Oh man, it's um. It's a uh, supernatural horror film from 2018. Oh, um, pretty much this uh, this girl I like the gets movie rolled poster. into like a uh, Germanic ballet troupe that's actually a coven of witches. Like the troupe is a coven of witches and they use magic through dance. And it's a remake of a like a 1970s. That film, sounds which crazy. Is, I want to watch it. Yeah. Which um, the 1970s two and a half hours Suspiria is oh man Ooh, 1970s is it from the suspiria. 70s hang on suspiria. we're about to look it up xperia suspiria s-u-s-p-i-r-i-a 1977 yeah and that movie is real quick because the whole like all the set pieces and everything are bright like every scene has an overwhelming different color so we'll go from like blues to pinks to reds mm-hmm. to yellows and it's very is very vivid Sus- the modern suspiria is very subdued in that manner it's very realistic but they they do magic through dance and so they control and that's how they do their magic and so it's it's kind of a psychological supernatural or and it, it didn't make very much i don't think i think it uh it only made like 180,000 its opening weekend something like that i don't i don't even know what their what their budget was it's, but it's a beautifully shot film so i imagine it's more than that oh here we go budget was 20 million box office it only made 8 million so definitely, golly, definitely. No wonder I've never heard of it. But it's a beautiful <laughs> film. It's such an interesting film. I think that has a. It does. It does look a, pretty neat. That has a high potential. 
I think they, oh man, the the uh, the climax of it, it's 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 ooh, I like the seventies Blu-ray version. The not the Blu-ray version, but the Blu-ray um, cover art looks cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the uh, the seventies version looks cool. Yeah, they're both really neat. <clears throat> Speaking of weird movies um, that have really pretty colors, my um, film appreciation teacher suggested a movie that was weird. It's called Beyond the Black Rainbow. If you guys have ever seen it never heard of it 2010 um it's a weird movie i think it might have either it has one now or will become one despite being under heavy sedation a young woman tries to make her way out of the uh, arborea institute a secluded quasi-futuristic commune and it has some very 70s type vibe to it. um but it was 2010 i need to rewatch this movie. interesting so well, all right you guys have do you guys have any last words on the subject i think i i think we all agree that cats probably has the uh the most best potential. Mm-hmm. potential to be to yeah oh, classic. unfortunately god i just yeah you know, i'd agree the movie That's was for me let me tell you something about that movie real quick is <laughs> the movie was very gorgeous like it was a great looking movie uh-huh. um it was but, clean very clean yeah i just Everything, everything else, like if cats, they just got rid of those cat people, it would be a beautiful. Well, I was gonna say a bunch of cats walking around on two legs with human hands, smiling just, with big old teeth. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I think just because of that and and some of the other things about you know the music and all that stuff, Rebel Wilson in the movie, um, which I thought was a weird addition. Uh, <laughs> like yeah, I thought it was weirder than Idris Elba, which I was I was surprised in McKellen. Oh, I forgot he was in that movie. Yeah, I forgot his name. A lot of big names. Yeah. A lot of um, that was surprised. That was another reason that was so surprising. Was I mean, so honestly, big I th- names. I think eventually I'll probably end up getting the movie, you know, owning it on Blu ray or something. Just yeah. because. Take a picture it's of that. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll, yeah. When I do. A special moment for Jake. I'll let you know. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would agree that. Cats probably has the best potential yeah. of, of becoming yeah. a cult classic that you know was recently released. I don't, when was that released again? Oh, a couple years ago. Yeah, not that long ago. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, I didn't think it was that long ago. So yeah, I mean, I I like the idea of cult movies because nine times out of ten, they're weird. Um, and you know me, the weirder and the more disturbing, the better. And Maybe I think should... weird. I think weird and disturbing are two separate categories. By yeah, the way, that's um, true. I would agree with that because you know, like uh, Fantastic Planet, which is animated, is weird, whereas Human Centipede is disturbing. disturbing. So, <laughs> um, so I think I think both of those those categories can fall into the cult, eventual cult movie, cult classic. Um, and so that's that's why. And like even movies like Eraserhead, I think it kind of. You, you that movie kind of goes into both categories, like a what is it called a Venn diagram? If you had mm-hmm. weird, weird and and disturbing, Eraser had to be in the middle, I think. Um, so I think that's what that's what makes a movie a cult classic is they're like, oh, I don't want to watch this movie because it looks weird. It's like, dude, go watch it. You might actually enjoy it. Um, but anyway, that's a whole. That's. That's me getting on a soapbox, so I don't want to do that. Then you should watch 1984's Threads, which has developed into a cult classic. Okay, so Zach, we have um, we have an episode about Threads, so don't you worry, buddy. We're gonna watch it. Cult film and review Threads. It's, it's someone more has like, done a podcast on it. I looked it's on the more internet. like uh, we're our well the episode we're gonna do is post apocalyptic movies, and 
one of them is the movie that you want us to watch. Is it's on YouTube and it's free. Okay. Um, so yeah, the freak, the freaking trailer title is called cult classic trailer threads. I think, uh, there's yeah, a disturbing I, bit where an ET looking humanoid is being burned. I love Ooh. ET looking humanoids. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't mean to make it. That's what uh, it literally is an ET being, but they're trying to put it in place of like a human, but people so, thought we wouldn't in, notice an eraser head. Um, they have a baby. The main character has a baby with a woman and the baby is very weird looking. And he, and now that you mention it, he is kind of ET ish looking. Maybe um, that's an Easter egg then. Uh-huh. Well, uh, when, no, because a razor head came out and so oh, you're talking about with, uh, threads. threads. Okay. Yeah. Oh, but you're talking about your, the eraser head, yeah, the baby. Okay. With, in the sixties. Maybe he was oh, anyway. predicting the future. Who yeah. knows? So yeah, I like I like the idea, and I really like any movie that can be considered a cult classic or um, cult movie because chances are they go against they go against the grain, if you will. And so that's what I like. I mean, I, I'll watch a blockbuster any day, and you know, I'll watch some super action heavy like you know Transformers and stuff like that. But give me a cult classic. Yeah, Zack Snyder's Justice League was a successful cult classic i think has developed one quickly i think i think with Zack snyder with his dc stuff and i, I just said this i know but, but it, t- it took the drama of justice league one to catapult him into a cult classic realm i think justice league one <laughs> do you mean like joss whedon's justice league yeah it took like the you drama call it justice league one like Zack snyder's is a sequel I didn't. I don't think I said one. Maybe he I did, did say one. Said, he did. Uh, but Justice League, uh, the one that was torn to bits by Joss Whedon after yeah. the death of uh, Zack Snyder's daughter, I believe. Um, I think that, that sadly, but in a way, uh, helped. I thought Snyder's so, brand. Yeah. I, so his daughter died, or did we yeah, know? she killed herself? Oh, maybe that. Do you think that's think. why DC let him? Come back know. and do a director's cut. I'm no maybe. clue, but I think also it, it helps that there was a huge, you know, hashtag following whatever they call that. And you know, David Ayer's supposed to bring out a a Suicide Squad cut. Ah, James Gunn has so many promises. I'm going to believe everything once 2025 hits. I think Gunn's uh, promising too much, to be honest. And he's I don't appreciate how he's <laughs> like coming out and responding to every threads or Twitter or X. Uh, post asking him what's going on because people are just going to copy and paste and screenshot yep. what he says Be like this is what you said yeah 10 years ago or five <laughs> years ago i mean i'll wait till 2025 yeah we'll see anyway sorry that'd be cool to see it would be cool to see the the air cut i would love to see that though Thank yeah you. me too well all right i think that's going to do it for this episode of the fantastic mr podcast have you seen any cult classics? What do you think qualifies as one? We want to hear from you. Let us know. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, X. Instagram, and uh, do us a huge favor and give us a like and follow on whatever program you decide to listen to us on. Yeah, X, too. Remember X, formerly Twitter. We're on, we're on X now. I guess Twitter's not a thing anymore. Whoopsies. We still tweet, though. We still tweet stuff. Until... until until someone comes up with a rebrands it to something. <laughs> I still I still throw my hat in the ring for explain, but you know, that's just me. Anyhow. So yeah. Let us but, know what you think. We want to hear from you. And uh and make sure to thanks check for us listening. out 
make sure to check us out on any on any pretty much anywhere you get your podcast spotify um google podcast apple podcast youtube um, are the big ones so please check us out and, and hit us up if you have uh any any ideas for episodes or if you just want to talk about cult movies totally down for that so make sure to uh have a fantastic day is that what you're gonna say jake that's you took the words from my mouth go ahead and say it i'll edit it out. have a fantastic day all right bye